We are on Ksubis Ein Hey Amaral 75a towards the very bottom as we begin a new Mishnah. We have been discussing the topic of Mumin, that if the uh, wife has a blemish um, and the husband did not know about it, and therefore um, these are the type of blemishes which would uh, impact the marriage, uh, and therefore it uh, retroactively essentially undoes the marriage. It was a marriage based on a false premise. Uh, so then what happens, the mission, our mission now discusses what happens in the following scenario, where we find out that she had a blemish, but it was after, let's say, the halachic engagement of the erison, or what happens if it's after the nisuin, the actual marriage. Uh, so what would happen in those cases? Do we assume that the blemish uh, already existed prior to the marriage? If it existed prior to the marriage, so then, let's say, the marriage will be null and void, or even if it's not null and void, maybe... Uh, even if we do view them as legally married, uh, but still, maybe the husband would, have, would not have to give a ksuba when they get divorced. Uh, that itself is a discussion amongst the commentators. What exactly is our Mishnah referring to? Are we discussing the fact that uh, the marriage is uh, null and void, or are we discussing the fact that, no, they are married, it's just that uh, she would not receive her ksuba. Uh, but what happens, if, what happens if we find the mum, we find this blemish after the halachic engagement or after the marriage, uh, where they're living together. Uh, so do we assume that it already existed? If it existed prior to the halachic engagement, so then it's not a, it was a, a marriage based on a false assumption. And therefore, they shouldn't be, either, either they shouldn't be viewed as married or he shouldn't have to pay the ksuba. Uh, but if the blemish only existed afterwards, after they are actually halachically engaged, so then tough luck. You know, different things happen in marriage. Over the course of a marriage, one can't say, oh, this thing just happened, I don't want to marry such a person, and so therefore uh, the marriage automatically ends. No, a person can't do that once they're married, so then life continues. If she, gets a, if she has a blemish after they're married, so then they're still fully married, and uh, he would have to give her a ksuba if they were to get divorced. So we find this mum, we find this blemish. How, how, how long do we assume that this blemish has been around for? Do we say that it's been around from before the engagement, or do we say that no, it only came about now? So... Uh, the opening line says, "Well, uh, it might depend on it might depend on where, uh, the, when, and where the blemish was found. So, if the blemish was found while during the engagement period, during the time of engagement, during that time of engagement, she is living in her father's home. She's living in her parents' home. She's not living with her husband while they're engaged, and she has this mum, this blemish. So, the rule is that in that circumstance, so then we assume essentially that." Uh, that it existed even prior to the engagement. We'll see why in the Gemara. There's different answers why this would be true in the Gemara. But we assume that it happened before the engagement. And it's upon the father to bring proof that the blemish only exists after the engagement, that it only came into existence after the engagement. However, However, if let's say the blemish is found after their complete marriage, they're living together, and then it... The husband finds a blemish. So then, in that case, it's, uh, it's upon the husband to then bring proof uh, that the blemish existed already prior to the engagement. Because we assume, for whatever reason, like we'll discuss, we assume that the blemish uh, only existed at that point in time, only while they were married, but not 
before the actual engagement. These are the words of Rameir. So Rameir uh, seems to distinguish between whether or not the blemish was found during the time period of the engagement, and therefore, if it happened during that time period, we assume that it was around already prior to the engagement. If it happened during the marriage, we find not that it happened, but we find out about it during the actual marriage. Uh, so then, we assume that the blemish uh, only came into existence after the marriage, and therefore, and it's upon the husband. If he doesn't want to give her exuba, it's upon the husband to prove that the blemish existed already prior to the to the engagement. That is Rameir. The Chacham just add, they point out the following, that all these all these laws of movement, of blemishes, only apply to blemishes which are hidden, which are hidden, which cannot be seen by the naked eye. But if it's something which is open, it's visible, people find out about it, they'll know about it, and therefore we will assume that the husband also knows about it, and therefore he cannot make a claim, oh, if I would have known, I would not have married her. No, it's, it's something which is out there and in the open. The Chacham added, seemingly Rav Meir would agree to that last line, but this is where the Chacham at a point, The Chacham add uh, that, and also, if, even if it's a, it's a hidden blemish, it's uh, underneath her clothing, but if there's a public bathhouse, if everybody, if all the women uh, in that city they use a public bathhouse. So then even when it comes to the hidden movement, the hidden blemishes, that will also become revealed because uh, people see each other in the bathhouse. And so therefore, any type of a mum, any type of a blemish would not be viewed as hidden. It would be uh, open. The, 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 the husband will find out from friends and from relatives uh, what's going on in terms of this, uh, this woman because they're, they're, they all use the bathhouse and they see each other. Okay, that is the end of this Mishnah. The Gemara will discuss uh, the following major question. And that question is from the opening line of the Mishnah. The Mishnah essentially distinguished between what happens if the blemish is found during the engagement period versus the blemish is found when they are actually married. When it's found during the engagement period, so then we assume that the blemish has always existed even prior to the engagement. And therefore, uh, they should not be married or she should be divorced without her ksuba because, uh, because the mum, the blemish already existed prior to the engagement. And he didn't know about it. However, if the blemish is found while they're married, so then uh, we assume the blemish only came about after the engagement period. And therefore, um, it is upon the husband. Uh, we, we assume that uh, the, that uh, it was a complete marriage and the blemish only happened later. And it's upon the husband. If he wants to prove otherwise, he would have to prove otherwise. So the Gemara wants to know what exactly is the difference between these two cases. Why is it that if the blemish is found during the engagement period that we assume that it happened prior to the engagement... But if the blemish happens during the marriage period when they're fully married and they're living together, that the blemish only uh, happened after the marriage. Why would we differentiate between those two uh, scenarios? And the Gemara will give three different answers to explain those two different scenarios, three very different answers. And we will explain the first one right now. And essentially, the first one has to do with an argument that we had a, a long, long time ago in the very beginning of Ksubis, uh, which is a discussion of Different chazakas. Chazaka has to do with status quo. The way we determine what happened. This is a case of a suffix. This is a case of a, a doubt. We're, we're unclear. We don't know the metzias. We don't know the actual facts on the ground. Did this blemish, was it around from before the engagement or was it only around after the engagement? This is a question that we do not have an answer to. When we don't have an answer to these questions, there's different principles that we use to, to try to figure out what exactly uh, is going on here. And one of those principles is called a chazaka. A chazaka means status quo, that we follow the status quo. It might not be viewed necessarily as uh, proving what happened, but it might just be something we refer to as hanhaga, that this is 
if we don't know what to do, so then we have to we have to pick something. We, we're, we're left in the dark. We don't know. So therefore, we follow status quo. Status quo is the last thing we knew. So then that's what we'll follow. So what we have here in our Mishnah, before we begin the Gemara, just as a, sort of giving the background, uh, so we have something called Cheskas Hagof, which is that um, the body doesn't change. The body doesn't change. Just like the body was born without a blemish, so too uh, it, it, it continues to exist without a blemish until the last point in time. So in this case, the last point in time is while they are engaged or while they're married. Uh, then we find out that she has a blemish. But prior to that, there was no blemish. We assume that just like they were born without a blemish, so too, uh, as they continue on throughout, throughout their lives until we find out otherwise that they are without a blemish. And so therefore, the blemish only came about after the engagement. Uh, how do you know that she was born without a blemish? Maybe she was born with a blemish. No, she was born without a blemish because that's actually the majority of people. We follow also the principle of rove to follow the majority. The majority of people are not born with a blemish, even though she received a blemish later on in life. Uh, but still, that's something which exists only after their marriage. That is called cheskas haguf, and that's one form of a chazaka. The other form of the chazaka is, well, this is discussing the ksuba. And we know that there's a principle called cheskas mamon, that whatever is by the husband, uh, so then whatever money he has, that is his. Uh, and if you want to uh, take it away from him, so then uh, the fact that he owns it, it's his own money, so then it's much more difficult to take it away from him. He has a cheskas mamon. The status quo is that it's by him, so therefore we leave it by him. So if that's the case... So then, in order for us to leave it by him, we would have to assume that the blemish happened before the marriage, because if the blemish happens before the marriage, so therefore, he wouldn't have to give her ksuba. That means all the money that he has, he gets to keep. Uh, he wouldn't have to give it to his uh, to this wife. And so therefore, we have this uh, clash between cheskas aguf and cheskas mamon, that uh, if we were to follow the status quo of the body, we would assume that the blemish happened after the engagement. If we follow the status quo of the money, not of the mum, but of the money, so then the money belongs to the husband, and therefore must be that the blemish happened before the marriage, and therefore he wouldn't have to pay the ksuba. And there's a contradiction here. So what do we follow? So this is exactly an argument which happened between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Gamil all the way in the beginning of ksubas. So let's see the Gemara. In the first case where it happens during the engagement, so it's upon the father to bring a proof that it happened during the engagement, that the, the blemish did not exist prior to the engagement. Um, but, and if he doesn't bring a proof, so then the husband is believed. We believe the husband. So who is that like? Money Rabbi Shua, he damar lo, Basically, it's like Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua holds, we follow cheskas mamon. We follow, we leave the money where it is in a case of doubt. So therefore, we don't know if the blemish existed prior to the engagement, after the engagement. Leave the money where it is. Must be that the blemish happened. Uh, not must be. It's not a proof, but it could be that it's a hachra. It's a way of uh, solving the, uh, making a decision on what happened. That it happened before the uh, before the uh, engagement. Ema Seifa, what do you do about the uh, rest? Uh, the second part of the Mishnah. It sounds like from the second half of the case where the, the blemish is found while they are fully married, that it's upon the husband to bring a proof that the blemish existed prior to the engagement. If not, so then we believe the. Father, that seems to be going, it's a direct contradiction between the first case and the second case. How do we resolve this contradiction? As we pointed out, that's exactly the contradiction that we pointed out in the introduction. So the guard gives the first answer. Sorry, just a few more. So that, that second part sounds like Rabbi Gamliel, who says that we follow Cheskas Haguf, that we follow the fact that the body doesn't change until much later. Therefore, the, if we know that there's a blemish, that blemish, the status quo would tell us that the blemish happened after the engagement. 
So what is the Gemara answer? Amr Belazar, Tavra Mishishana Zulu Shana Zulu. Belazar says, okay, this is how you solve the problem. You break the Mishnah. You break the Mishnah. The first part of the Mishnah is like Rabbi Shua, and it's going according to the opinion of Rabbi Shua, who says that we follow the status quo of the money. We let the husband keep the money. If he keeps the money, then the blemish must have happened prior to the engagement so that he doesn't have to give her a ksuba, that there's a real uh, mekach tos here. There's a real um, uh, false assumption within this uh, within this marriage. The second part of the Mishnah is going according to the opinion of Rabbi Shua, who says that, no, cheskas haguf is the stronger chazaka. The fact that we assume that the, the status quo is that she did not have a blemish until the last point in time. The last point in time was after the engagement, so therefore she is believed. And therefore, the first and second statements are different opinions. That's how he answers this question. Rabbi now comes along and says the following. We just quoted Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua says that we follow cheskas mamo, and we follow leave the money where it is, even though she might have a cheskas haguf. She might have a status quo uh, that her body didn't change until the last moment in time. Unless the last time we found out that she had a blemish. Uh, that's the position of Rabbi Yeshua, that we, we follow the cheskas mamon. We follow the, the status quo where the money is and not cheskas haguf. But Rav says, don't say that Rabbi Yeshua means to say that he doesn't have the concept of cheskas haguf at all. That the whole concept of cheskas haguf, the status quo of the body, that the body doesn't change, that Rabbi Yeshua disagrees entirely with that idea. Not only that, but maybe he would disagree, not just, it's hard to say that he would disagree entirely with the concept of cheskas haguf, but maybe when cheskas haguf, the status quo of the, the body not changing comes in clash with other things, in that case, don't say that Rabbi Shua doesn't hold the chesed guf. No. No. When does Rabbi Shua say not to follow chesed guf, the status quo, that whatever happened to the body happened at the last moment in time, otherwise the body stayed the same. We follow that principle unless it's coming up against the cheskas mamon, unless it's coming up against the status quo of the money. That's stronger, according to, at least according to Rabbi Shua, not according to Rabbi Gamliel. But if it comes against, up against other things, so then Chesas Aguf really wins out. Uh, the idea of the body staying uh, the same really wins out. What's in a case of like that? Titani, Boharis Kodem, Lusayar Lavan, Tame, Yusayar Lavan, Kodem, Boharis Tahar, Savik Tame, Rabbi Shua, Amar Keha, Ma Keha, Amar Rabbi Keha Tahar. Essentially, as follows, we find this by, with regards to the laws of Tsaras, uh, Tsaras of, uh, and Tuma, really of impurity. And we say that if the Baharis comes before the hair, so then he's uh, we of uh, the white hair, that we assume that he's impure. If the white hair comes first, so then he's pure. What happens if it's a questionable, it's a suffix, we don't know what to do. So in that case, we say Tahor, we do say Tahor. We assume Tahor because that was the status quo. We see Rabbi Yeshua follows the status quo. Status quo of the body is that the body was Tahor, the body is Tahor, the body was pure, the body is pure. So we see, we see from Rava, uh, Rava at least uh, proves us from the Brisa that even Rabbi Yeshua would agree. This was quoting Rabbi Yeshua. Even Rabbi Yeshua would agree that when it comes to Chesus Aguf, that is called the body, uh, when it's not coming in clash with the laws of uh, monetary laws of keeping the money where it is. So then we do follow Chesus Haguf. We do follow the status quo of the body. The Gemara. We'll see this in the in the next uh, in the next class. Uh, we'll have two other answers, but uh, these all these ideas are fascinating ideas. Which status quo is stronger? Why would it necessarily be stronger? Perhaps we'll say that uh, the Cheskas Haguf, the status quo, maybe one reason perhaps why it might be stronger, again, against Rabbi Yeshua, this is like Rabbi Gamliel, but against Rabbi Yeshua, the reason why it might be stronger is perhaps because 
The Cheskas HaGuf is really there to answer the question at hand. The question at hand, what's the doubt? What are we not sure about? We're not sure when the blemish happened. So Cheskas Mamun doesn't really deal with that question directly. The status quo of the money, leave the money where it is. That's, that's very indirectly answering that question. But the Cheskas HaGuf, where, what happened to the body? We assume that the body did not have a blemish until the last moment. That's addressing the question directly. That's saying, the question is, when did this blemish happen? Cheskas HaGuf tells us, happened at the last moment in time. Uh, so it answers, it deals with the question directly. So maybe that's why we follow Cheskas Guf, at least according to Rebbe Gamliel, over Cheskas uh, Mamun, over the status quo of leave the money where it is. Okay, we'll see. We're in the middle here of Ayin Heim and Be'ez 75b, um, and we will continue the second and third answer in the next class.